Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. To any mothers out there who feel overwhelmed with life, I know you sometimes beat yourself up for not being the mom you want to be. I saw the way you were looking at yourself today, questioning your actions, feeling defeated. I saw the piles of laundry that need folding, the floors that need mopping, and the counters that need clearing. I saw the remnants of breakfast all over the kitchen and the floor, and yes, I saw your kids feeding themselves cookies this morning. I saw you raise your voice at them, and I saw their spirit break. I saw every last mess, and it's overwhelming. But there's something you need to know. I am very proud of you right now, even more than when your kids are bathed, wearing clean clothes, and behaving well, or when your house and car are painted painstakingly tidy because I know that when life is rough that's when you're working your hardest I know that what feels like a sea of clutter in your home actually represents busy little hands that are exploring the world in a safe learning environment that you provide for them I know that raising your voice is a big deal to you, that you'll apologize, seek forgiveness, and return to modeling Christ's love all day long. As for the laundry, I know that, well, sometimes they're just more important things that need to be done. You need to know something. Although the life of a mom is messy, you make it beautiful. Happy Mother's Day. We value mothers here. We value life. And we value mothers. Thank you, moms, for all that you do. Thank you for giving life to us. Thank you for cleaning up the messes in our lives. We appreciate the mothers. Well, it's my great privilege to talk with you this morning. My name is Robin Thompson, and I am married to uh, Pastor Buddy. And we've been married a long time, and we have two wonderful children. They're both here today. Lauren and Lindsay gave me the greatest gift and made me a mother. 
and it is my great privilege to be a mom, one of the best things I've ever done in life. Moms, you're the bomb. So we do have a gift for you in the lobby after church when you go out today. You can um, pick up a, a, a gift. It's on the table outside there today. I think we're having a light show here. I'm not sure. All right. Um, the title of my message today is God's Favor in the Midst of My Mess. God's favor in the midst of my mess. And I just want to say right, right up front, I'm so happy for all the families that um, brought their children to be dedicated today. Such a beautiful thing that you did. And so I know that we probably have more children here in the auditorium than we normally do. And there may be more distractions going on. So I just want to remind you that we do have children's ministry still going on. And if you're not comfortable with that, we do have a quiet room that you can take your child to if distractions, if they become uh, a distraction. I'm easily distracted. So one of them pops up, I, <laughs> I might lose my train of thought. Just giving you a warning right up front. All right. Um, so good to be here. I see my girl there on the front row. Love you, Abby. Um, so moms, do you ever feel like you're going from cleaning one mess straight to cleaning another one? I know I do. Yesterday I did. I had my grands yesterday. <laughs> but we had so much fun. Sometimes in life I feel like I'm going from cleaning up one mess in my heart to another. Sometimes I discover some resentment there, and I take it to the Lord, and I repent, and I clean that mess up, only to discover, oh my goodness, pride has popped its ugly head up. <laughs> and I got to clean that mess up in my life and take that to the Lord. I get that under the blood, and I'm going along, and then I move on to something else, and I discover some unforgiveness that's crept back in my life. So on and on it goes. Life is a series of mountains and valleys, ups and downs. And as long as we're living, we'll be faced with challenges and with messes. But God's favor can be there with us throughout the whole thing in the midst of it all. I want to embrace the favor of God and walk in his favor, walk in his goodness. So in our um, story today from the Bible, it's taken from the first two chapters of the book of 1 Samuel. So um, in my notes, I have a lot of scripture. We may not get to read all of it today because we are pressed for a little bit of time today. But it's the story of Hannah. She's a mom who finds herself in quite a mess. So I want us to leave here encouraged by Hannah's story. It, her name means favor or grace. And God did great things in Hannah despite the mess that she found herself in. How many of you know families can be a bit messy? They can be kind of dysfunctional. Families can have a crazy or two in them. And that might be you or it might be me. I don't know. We might be messed up, but we can still find the favor of God in the middle of our dysfunction. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to start reading from verse 2 of First 
Samuel 1. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah pres presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? So here we find quite a mess, a dysfunctional family. Hannah is barren. And it's a common teaching that Hannah was Elkanah's first wife. It does not say that in the Bible, but many Jewish rabbis teach that they were married for about 10 years before Elkanah took another wife. Now, it was the dream of every Jewish girl to give children to her husband. But Hannah couldn't have children. So very quickly in her marriage, she realizes that her dream is messed up. She's not going to get the dream. It starts to disintegrate. And her husband, Elkanah, realizes that this is a problem. And like a typical male, he works on a solution. How many of you ladies have are married to Mr. Fix-It? He likes to fix things. Yes, when you're, when you're telling him you're bearing your heart, you don't want him to fix it. Just listen. But he is a fix-it guy. So Elkanah's like that, and he's going to slap a solution on this problem. If Hannah can't give me kids, I'm going to find somebody else who can. So he marries Penina, and practically every year she's popping out another kid. So he thinks problem solved. Not so. Rivalry very quickly between these two women. So now he's solved one problem only to create a handful of new problems. He would slay an animal when they went to the sacrifice and they would have a meal as worship in God's presence, he would divvy out portions to his family and he would give Penina and her children single portions. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion or what the Bible calls a worthy portion. This was either twice as much or it was the choicest cut of meat. So what that would mean is Penina would be sitting there eating like Ponderosa, and Hannah would be eating Ruth's Chris. Elkanah was trying to express his love for Hannah. He cherished her, and he wanted to honor her. But what happens? Penina notices she's not happy. She doesn't have a double portion. She's roused to jealousy. Hannah's 
barren and vulnerable. So in verse 6, it says, And her rival, her adversary, her competitor, used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Verse 7, it goes on. Year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and wouldn't eat. So here we are, these two ladies. They're, Penina lacks compassion. She jabs at her. She frustrates her. Ha, ha, you can't have kids. It's ugly. It's a crazy cycle. And it keeps happening year after year. What's supposed to be a good time? How many of you ever get ready for vacation and you're so excited? This is going to be fun. This is going to be a great time. And it sometimes doesn't turn out to be the funnest trip you've ever taken. This is what it was like. They're all getting ready. They're going to have a good time. They're going to travel together. It's supposed to be joyful. They're going up to the temple to worship. But Hannah would dread it. Year after year. And so now they're sitting down at this wonderful meal. She has Ruth's Chris sitting in front of her. And she will not eat it. She's sad. She's miserable. Enter Mr. Fix-It. Elkanah sees that she refuses. So he's this gone on far enough. I'm going to jump in and fix this. So he asked her four questions. The first three are good ones. But that fourth one. He says to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Good questions, aren't they? Those are good. Every woman in the house goes, that's nice. That's nice. He's probably really sympathetic. He probably is hugging her and trying to reassure her and support her. Then he says, am I not more to you than ten sons? Right there and then, everything switches. He didn't start. Hannah thinks, oh, he's going to listen to me. He's concerned. But no, he just wants to put a Band-Aid on this. He just wants her to suck it up. Stop crying. Let's have a good time here. How many of you have ever felt like you can identify with that? Basically, he's saying, what's your problem? Why are you crying? Stop being a baby. Why is your heart sad? What's there to be sad about? You, you got me. Girl, you got me. Aren't I, I good? Don't I look good? Look at my muscles. I provide for you. But what happens at this point is the exact opposite of what he was aiming for. She's not going to just suck it up and start having a good time. She probably burst into tears and runs out of the room. She can't have kids. She's heartbroken. She has to share her husband with this terrible woman who keeps picking at her. She's miserable. She's depressed. And her husband doesn't get it. He just, he doesn't get it. He just wants her to suck it up and act like everything's grand. It's not. It's not grand. It's a mess. And that's where Hannah finds herself. There's anxiety. There's jealousy. There's discord in this family. It doesn't bring up the word family, pleasant feelings to Hannah. She doesn't feel favored. She feels bitter. 
So what did she do? And here's the five things I want us to take away. When we go home, I want us to remember these five things that Hannah does that we can do if life offers you up a big mess. There are five steps that we can take to help us get beyond the mess. Number one, Hannah takes her sorrow to God. She takes it to the Lord. She's deeply distressed. She's overwhelmed with depression and grief. Literally, the word means she was bitter of soul. Where do we go when we are bitter of soul? Where do we go? Some of us try to self-medicate. Some of us take a sleeping pill and go to bed. Some of us try to eat our feelings. We try to self-medicate with food, and I'm guilty. I've done that. I've done that many times. I just want some ice cream. I'm, I'm going to Gelati Celeste. And I'm not getting one scoop. I'm getting three. True. It's a true story. And I'm eating every bite, too. I'm getting three, Jordan. <laughs> or I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to eat some chips. And lay up in the bed and eat chips. Ask Debbie to make me some some chocolate cake and some good stuff. I'm just going to eat my feelings. But you know what happens when I do that? I don't feel better. I just get bloated. And I stay bitter. It doesn't work. It doesn't help. Some of you turn to alcohol. That doesn't help. Some of you turn to shopping. <laughs> that doesn't help. Well, maybe it does for a little bit. It, it does while you're out there. It does a little bit. Oh, I want to tell a story so bad. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I might get in trouble, but I'm going to do it. I rem remember one time I was excited because I was um, caring for, I was bringing in some money, which all my life, my husband has brought in the money. <laughs> and I've, I've worked alongside of him in the kingdom of God, but I didn't always, I wasn't always compensated for that. But I was working, helping to take care of an elderly woman. So I had some money and I was going to buy him a good birthday gift. You know, Mr. Budget keeps me on a budget here. So I was going to buy him a nice birthday gift, and I was really excited about it. And I went shopping, and I'm at Short Pump Town Center. And I've got, uh, I've got a lot of money. I worked some overtime. And I have, I have like $500, and I get to spend it any way I want. So I'm super excited. I get a phone call from my husband. I don't even know what happened. but I. And hang up with that phone call. And it was not a pleasant phone call. So I am offended. 
So you know what I do with that money? <laughs> he got, he got, you know what his birthday gift was? I walked in and I saw Tivana. If you don't know what Tivana is, it is a tea store. And I had never bought anything there, but I love hot tea. So I walk into Divana and I'm drinking all the samples. I'll take some of that. Well, that was good. I'll take some of that. Yeah, I'm going to take some of that. I walked out with $300 worth of tea. <laughs> I sure did. How much? No way. Are you serious? I don't think so. I'm still drinking that tea, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> and you know what? That didn't help my bitterness only about five minutes, but happy birthday. <laughs> so where do we go when we have sorrow, when we're distressed, when we're bitter in our spirit? Hannah goes to God. And I want to tell you, you can try going other places, but you know what? You're going to stay bitter. And Hannah goes to God, and she describes her prayer, and she says, I've been pouring out my soul. I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. She's not praying ho-hum prayers. She's pouring out the contents of her heart in gut-wrenching, soul-emptying prayer until there's nothing left, until she's gotten everything off of her chest, until she's laying there in a puddle, spent. There was a day when I looked at myself and I found fear and unforgiveness and anger and bitterness, and all it was doing was eating me alive. So I said, I'm going to take it to the Lord. God said, bring it to me. Bring your bitter self to me. Come here, the one that I favor, the one that I love, the one that I adore. Bring your bitter self to me. Pour out your heart. I'm a big God. I can take it. I've got strong shoulders, and I can carry your load. The Bible says, cast all your fear, your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, heavy burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So where do we go when we're, our, we're in a mess and our heart is bitter? We take our sorrow to God. Because he's going to be there. The second thing that we learn from Hannah is Hannah surrenders to God. We take our sorrow to him and we surrender everything to him. Sometimes we go to God in prayer and we take our sorrow, but we don't stay long enough to surrender. Full surrender. If you don't know me and you've, this is the first time you're hearing me speak, don't be alarmed. I cry a lot. But I have tissues. So it's all good. It's okay. Nothing's wrong. I'm not upset. I'm just, this is just part of who I am. And I cry whenever I pray too. 
And I cry when I watch Little House on the Prairie, so don't worry about it. So Hannah surrenders to God. While Hannah is praying, God starts to do a work in her heart. And more than anything, she wants a child. She wants to give her husband a son. But you know what? While she's praying, God's light of truth shines on her heart, and she sees that her motives might be a little bit off. She sees that maybe this, what she desires, has sort of become a form of idolatry. It's become greater than God to her. Have you ever been there where something in your life you it has become more important than God? There was a time in my life that something had become more important than God. And here's the thing. I thought I was being super spiritual. But that thing that I wouldn't let go of had become more important to God. And in prayer one day, I, I felt the Lord say to me, stop looking at that and look at me. While she's praying, she has this revelation and she releases and surrenders her greatest desire to God. First Samuel 1.11, it says, and she made this vow. O oh, Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire life. I'm not going to hold on to him, God. I want it so badly, but if you decide to bless me with a son, I'm going to give him back to you, God. I'm going to release him to you. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. That was part of a Nazarite vow. As she's praying, she has this moment of clarity. And she realizes nothing should be more important than God. I want him to be first. She destroys the idol and she says, what I want the most, I'm going to give it to God. Some of you want a dream so badly but you need to release and give that to God. God can make it come to pass, or maybe he'll give you a new dream. But nothing can become more important to God than, than God is to you. So she destroys the idol, and in prayer, God gives her the grace and the strength to release her de greatest desire to God. I know that when we are in prayer many times, that's when great revelation comes. Because when I am surrendered fully to him and all I want is whatever he wants. I change when I'm in prayer. I don't want my way anymore, but I want what he wants. Because I trust him enough to know that he's going to do good for me. He's going to bring blessing. And I can walk in full faith knowing that whatever he brings, it's going to be good. Because he's a good father and he loves his people. So Hannah, is she worships until God matters more than anything. Lord, my life is surrendered to you. 
I want God more than I want a good reputation. I want God more than I want money, more than I want things, more than I want material possessions. I want God more than I want my dream to become reality. I want him because he is the greatest gift I've ever known. He's the greatest friend you'll ever have. He satisfies the deepest longing in our souls. So for Hannah, she surrenders that to God. And I want to say, parents, most of us love our children more than we love anything in life. But we cannot hold so tightly to them that we refuse to trust them to God. Parenting in a way that honors Christ always requires surrender. For us moms, it starts in the very beginning with pregnancy. We have to deal with discomforts and changes in our bodies. Later, it means we give up a lot of sleep, a lot, a lot of time. <laughs> our schedule is shifted. We give up a lot of money. We give up a lot of privacy. And all you moms can say amen out there that just want to go to the bathroom in peace. Or just want to take a nice relaxing bath without somebody coming in and needing something. Mothers, the decision to surrender to Jesus will affect future generations. And we're going to see later in Hannah's story how it affected future generations. But so often when I think of my sweet mother, she was a wonderful mom. She taught me in the ways of the Lord. And I can still hear her praying, still saying, Lord Jesus, your grace is sufficient for me. Whatever life handed her, she knew if she had Jesus, she could make it through. And that is carried on in the life of my sister and in my life. And I am so grateful that that was passed down to me. Moms, your spirit of surrender will make a difference. If you're just here under the sound of my voice and you're not a mom, your surrender makes a difference. It makes a difference in this world. So to recap the things that Hannah did, she took her sorrow to God. She surrendered to God and she changed her attitude. As she was praying, the priest comes to her and he accuses her of being drunk. He basically says, go away and sober up, then come back and pray. And Hannah says, I'm not drunk. I'm depressed. I'm miserable. I've been pouring out the contents of my heart to the Lord. And right here, I just want to pause. You can go back and read this. I know we've had a lot, a full day today, so I'm going to hurry through. But right here, Hannah could have said, what in the world? You are a man of God. Can you not discern that I am not drunk? She could have started neck popping and hand on hip stuff. I can't believe it. What in the... I'm not coming to church and listening to you anymore. Oh, I, no, she didn't do any of that. She didn't get offended. She just, she just explained to him. And you know what Eli said? He said, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked him. She responds, thank you, sir. And then she goes back and she's decide, she decides she's going to go back and eat that Ruth's Chris steak. 
Eli has compassion on her. She picks herself up. She's no longer sad. That sad, hurt, angry, confused, frustrated, bitter face was gone. Hannah has a new countenance. Now she has the face of a woman who's given up her idolatry, the face of a woman who's found favor with God, the face of a woman that has fresh hope, and her time in prayer has made her attitude adjust. Imagine how that feels if you're sitting at the table. And she comes waltzing back in, and she plops herself down. She cuts her good choice cut of meat and enjoys it. She smiles at Panina. She knows something she doesn't that Panina doesn't know. I wonder how many of us get up from prayer, and God has done a mighty work in our lives. And we leave, and you know that old devil, he wants to snatch the word of God from us immediately. When God does something great for you, don't let him snatch the word of God from you. Don't let him take the victory back from you. God's just done something good and someone does something to offend you. Just choose not to be offended. Just choose to forgive and go on. Choose to walk in your victory. Choose to keep a good attitude. Choose to notify your face and keep smiling. Choose to go on fully surrendered with an attitude adjustment, with your face radiantly shining with the glory of God. Amen. So she comes back in and enjoys her double portion. Number four, she follows through on what she had promised God. 1 Samuel 1, 19 through 28 says the entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. So she named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. The next year, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow, but Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned, then I'll take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. She's planning on following through. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. I stopped in the first service and read that three times, husbands. Whatever you think is best. Elkanah agreed. Repeat after me, husbands, whatever you think is best. <laughs> I agree. He says, stay here for now and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. Now this is significant because when a woman in that day made a vow, her husband could undo the vow and not... And, and tell her she's not allowed to carry it through. Today, we've made progress. In, in our, and if we make a vow, we can carry it through even if he doesn't agree. But he was in support. He was on her side. He agreed. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request now. I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. 
and they worshiped there. She follows through in her act of full surrender. She's not having second thoughts. She says forever he's going to live here. Now she had to go back home and she was not going to see him again for another full year. She would see her son one time a year. Forever he lived in the, in the um, temple of the Lord. She kept him for two or three years until he was weaned. And then she took him to the house of the Lord. Today, parents, many parents stood up here and dedicated their children to the Lord. And that was beautiful. And I encourage you. Follow through on your vow to keep your children in the hands of the Lord. Whatever you committed to God, whatever you vowed to the Lord that you would do in raising your children, don't change that vow. Honor it. Follow through. The word says teach them diligently. It might mean that you are bringing them to church and youth group. It might mean that you are taking time daily to read to them from the word of God and training them what prayer looks like. You're covering them in prayer. You're instilling Bible principles in them. Don't take back the vows that you have made to the, to the Lord. And your vow may look different than your neighbor's. You may live a lifestyle that not everyone understands because God maybe has asked something different of you, but don't change it. Don't take back your vows. There were many days I had asked the Lord. I remember when, when I first became pregnant, I was so excited that I was going to be a mom. And I went to church every day with my friend, Beth. And we came and we prayed together. It's so special to me. In, our, in the old 7-Eleven building. And we would go every morning. And she would lay her hands on my belly. Where Lauren was. And she would pray and speak a blessing over Lauren. And I would lay my hands on Beth's belly. Because she was pregnant with Kayla. And I would speak blessing over Kayla. And we... We wrote covenants together that we would always be mothers who prayed and mothers who lifted each other up. And today, still, Beth prays for me and my children. And I still pray for Beth and her daughter, Kayla. We fully surrendered them to the Lord, not knowing what their lives would become or what they would do in life. But we remained, we, we left our children in the hands of the Lord. I encourage you mothers to stay dedicated to the Lord because you don't know if you have a little president in your hands or not. You don't have, you don't know who you've got rocking in that rocking chair. And Hannah did not know that Samuel was going to grow up and be so instrumental in the nation of Israel in anointing the King David through which the lineage of Jesus Christ would come and forever change the whole world. 
You do not know who you have in your hands. But don't change your vows that you made to the Lord to teach them diligently. So they're committed. If you'll stand with me, I'm coming to an end. The last thing that Hannah does, she takes her sorrow to God. She surrenders to God. She changes her attitude. She follows through. And lastly, she worships. She did, they did not have to drag her out of there kicking and screaming. But when you go home, you can read Hannah's prayer of praise. It's very powerful. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. She says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. And she goes on to worship God, pouring all of her heart and giving praise to him. In verse 9, she says, he will protect his faithful ones but the wicked will disappear in darkness no one will succeed by strength alone those who fight against the lord will be shattered he thunders against them from the heavens the lord judges throughout the earth he gives power to his king he increases the strength of his anointed one that was a prophecy that she did not even know what she was saying. At that time, there were no kings in Israel, but she says he gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. The anointed one would be Jesus Christ that would come because Hannah surrendered everything to God. She gave Samuel to the house of the Lord. Samuel then becomes a judge in the nation of Israel, and he anoints David king through whom Jesus Christ comes and the whole world is changed. God always has a plan. And I just want to say to you, I don't care what your mess looks like. God has a plan. And his plan supersedes your plan. And his plan supersedes your lifetime. We're living today, and we're free because of what Jesus did on the cross, and Hannah played a part in that. Mama, in your praise and worship, you just might be prophesying into your child's future. You might be speaking things into existence that you cannot possibly understand the power that will affect future generations. God goes on to bless Hannah with more kids. But I just want you to leave here encouraged. Your story's not her story, but your story's a beautiful story. Your story's unique to you, and your story matters. And wherever you find yourself, I want you to look up and say, God is with me. Lord, I'm going to take every sorrow to you. I'm going to entrust my life to you. I'm going to live a life fully surrendered. I'm going to trust you with the outcome of my mess because you're bigger than it all. And you do, you work all things for the good of them that love the Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. If you want to come to this altar today, you can. If you want to stand with your mom, you do whatever you feel. I'm just going to speak a blessing over you. Lord, you are a way maker when there seems to be no way. You are the king of all kings. You are the Lord of all lords, and there's not one tear that falls that you don't see, God. There's not one day, God, that goes by that you don't see, Lord, the struggle and the challenges. You know, Lord, the dysfunction. You know, God, everything, God, that has happened in our past and is going on in our present. But, Lord, you know the future. And in the name of Jesus, I say that many will rise up that have come to the knowledge of Christ because of these mothers that are here today. They will go on to lead nations. They will go on to lead the world to know Jesus. In Jesus' name, I speak blessing over every mother and father. I speak blessing today over every child that they would love you, that they would serve you, and that they would live according to the life that you have called them to in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we give you praise for what you're going to do. And we say you're a good God, and we trust you with our lives in Jesus' name. message and what a beautiful prayer amen I don't have anything to add to that right now I just want to say thank you to every mom your labor's not in vain we love you we love what you stand for I want to say thank you to every dad who stands along beside his wife or his child's mother and that you know that and, and have embraced the responsibility that we have to raise our children in the fear of God amen but mom today is your day we celebrate you. My wife said, you're the bomb. You are the bomb. And we've got some bath bombs in the lobby for you to take home with you today. If you have a mom that's still around, that's still alive, make sure you call her today. If you need to forgive her, just forgive her. Let her know you love her. If for nothing else, you need to just love her for bringing you into this world. Amen. And giving you a chance. And so I'm thankful for that. God bless you. We love you. Happy Mother's Day. I pray you have an amazing, amazing day. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Have a great afternoon. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.